Welcome to the Badass Breastfeeding Podcast. This is Diane, your lactation consultant. And I'm Abby, the Badass Breastfeeder. And today's episode is brought to you by Imani and BreastPumps.com, helping parents everywhere with the right tools. Imani recently released the Imani I1 Dual Breast Pump. And today's episode is also brought to you by Original Sprout. The leave-in conditioner's lightweight formula is made with nourishing emollients. And the Miracle Detangler is perfect for making combing hair easier. And all of our sponsors uh, can be found at badassbreastfeedingpodcast.com, of which we will hear more about later. And um, you can check them out at our website, though, and see if you can give them any of your business because they make this podcast possible. So, um, also while you're there, you can scroll down and enter your email address and we will send episodes straight to your inbox every week. And now Diane has your review of the week. Thank God it's over. Thank God my turn is over. (laughs) And this comes from our iTunes. So thank you so much for putting this on iTunes for us. And she says that we offer support and validation. Um, Started listening after someone recommended you on Reddit while scouring the internet for reliable breastfeeding support and information. The only thing I don't like about this podcast is that it took me so long to find it. This podcast makes me feel so empowered and validated in our wonderful supportless society. Seven months into breastfeeding and I now listen daily during my baby's naps while he's asleep on my boob. Thank you for making me feel normal. And everybody gets snap trapped at some point or another, right? Like, but, um, I don't even know. I don't, I don't even know how Reddit works. So I don't know either. I'm not sure. I was what like, it how is. fun that somebody put us on Reddit. I don't know what Reddit. Like, I don't. I don't even know what it is. Yeah, I feel like I don't know. Like, so I've, I've, I mean, I, I uh, have heard of it, obviously, and yeah, but um, I'm not sure what you do there. It's just like yeah, chat rooms or something. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I know, know it was um, created by cool. Serena Williams's husband, but are you um, serious? Yeah, yeah, that's oh. his thing. Yeah, it was Reddit. But I don't, I didn't, I have enough time like working my Google. Like, I, I really can't try to take in any other. I know, but it sounds things. like it might be better than like all the drama of Facebook and Instagram. I don't know. I Is know. there drama on Reddit? I have no idea. Yeah, I know. If somebody knows, let us know. Maybe we need to like check it out. But that's pretty cool because yeah. I didn't know that it was where you like say, hey, listen to this podcast. It's fun. Yeah, that's cool. But I'm glad you found us anyway and that you're, you know, recognizing the supportless society that we are all yeah. part of. Um, we're just trying to keep our little corner of the world a little bit more support worthy. So I'm glad you're here with us. Thank you very much. And she put that, like I said, she put that on iTunes for us, which was super helpful. Um, People sometimes will send us an email if they can't put things on iTunes. So either one of those is wonderful. And um, we are going to talk today about other lack of supports that we sometimes run into. But this is, it's kind of like more of like what you run into in the beginning days. Like I know we did a, we did an episode not, I don't know, it was a couple months ago about like, the early days, you know, like just discharging mm-hmm. from the hospital and kind of like what to expect. Um, but this is kind of like, all right, how does how does breastfeeding become interrupted in the hospital? Like what happens? What happens there? And this is kind of like if you happen to be expecting and you're listening, this is a really good thing to kind of know like, okay, Maybe I need to watch out for these things. Um, if you're not expecting, if you already have your baby, then this might be a really good eye opener of like, oh my gosh, this actually happened. Like, so it is a good 
it is good to have this info. It really is. It's really good info to have. And this is kind of some of that stuff that I talk about like when I do prenatal stuff, because I really think this is important information for people to have and to watch for because it can be sabotaging. So knowing what to expect is really helpful. Like knowledge is really important when it comes to this stuff. Yeah. And I think when we talk about hospitals, we have to remember that hospitals are functioning in a capitalist society and they are for profit. Yeah. So, and they, because they are for profit, they work on protocol, not necessarily evidence based medicine, because they are fearful of lawsuits. So, it really a lot of what they do is based on like, this is what we think is best practice, not necessarily this is what the evidence tells us to do. And that's like, I'm not like breaking any rules by telling you that. Like, everybody knows that. Like, that's a very common. That's a very common thing. And that is one of the reasons why I don't think I could work in a hospital system again, because you see stuff all the time that's like, oh my God, why are we doing this? Um, And then you have wonderful people who work in the hospital system who are like, I am here to give support to people who need it. Um, But I I just, I mean, it's just too hard when you're seeing things constantly that need to change. It's Right. And hospitals also they receive a huge, huge amounts of money from formula companies and free formula and lots of, you know, incentives, you know, to use their product. They, they are not just freestanding, you know, not for profit places, you know, they, they're, and the doctors, they come from very formula company incentivized, you know, programs and education as well which is oftentimes why they don't have a ton of breastfeeding information. It's because they're not taught that. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I just wanted to preface that by saying this is, you know, first of all, this is the environment that we're in just Mm -hmm. even before we get to like little things that happen in there. This is the environment. So um, I I highly recommend a doula. If you're going to be having a baby in a hospital, doulas are, very helpful to help, you know, advocate for you while you're in this very vulnerable state. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's, I mean, you can ask all the questions and, you know, all that stuff. Um, but when you are in that vulnerable state, it is really hard to think clearly about that. Yeah. Stuff, so. At some point you're going to be in labor and you can't be like, you're just going to be in labor. That's the only thing that you can be dealing with at, at that time. Yeah. And then after you have your baby, you're tired. And you're nervous and you're in pain and you're in recovery mode. And people say, oh, your baby's super hungry. They're starving and your milk's not in yet. We need to do something about this. And it's like, you don't really, you aren't thinking about how ridiculous a statement that is because that's not really what's happening. So (laughs) um, there's, yeah, there's definitely a lot going on here. There was one time when I worked in the hospital. there was a a family that I was with and I used to like, you know, connect with my families quite a bit. And especially if it was like, if I was there like a Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and then I saw, you know, saw them all, you know, the, all the time I was there. And this was a mother, if you know, first baby. And it was a very, like a situation where like 
you know, labor didn't go well and ended up in a C-section and it was a whole thing. And the baby was in special care and they would bring the baby back for feeds. And the nurse from special care was like, the baby is still really hungry. We think the baby needs something else. The baby is still really hungry. And I remember like looking at the nurse and going, why do you think that? And she goes, because of the way he's sucking on the pacifier. So if a baby is like, and it's not typical, like especially the hospitals that I work or that are around me, they don't automatically hand your baby a pacifier. Oh, they're really they did with like, me. Oh, did they do that with you? Oh, yeah. yeah. No, and every time I took it out, when I got him back, he had another <laughs> one in his mouth. Yeah, they they did not. They don't usually like to do that. They always say, no, we don't want to, you know, we don't do that here or whatever. Like they just try not to automatically give babies pacifiers unless they are separated from their mother. And they will admit that if they're separated from their mother, they're going through a procedure, they're separated because of, you know, whatever is going on with them, that they will give the pacifier because that is soothing. Mm-hmm. And babies need to soothe somehow. Right. So this baby had a pacifier. And the nurse was convinced that because the baby was sucking so hard on the pacifier that he was still hungry. And I go, could it be because he's separated from his mother? Could that be why he's fussy? And she just didn't really like say anything. And it's like, what? what like, I don't think this baby's going, oh my God, I'm starving. Somebody get I, me some fact- freaking food. Yeah, the fact that people think that babies are born super hungry is hilarious. Mm -hmm. Like, this baby was just born. Right. Like, I'm sure, you know, you can do a bunch of things in your life and you don't eat for a while and then, you know, you're going to feel hungry. So we automatically think, oh, this baby just went through this whole labor. Oh, they must be starving. Got (laughs) to, you know... Re, you know, re-nutrient, what are those called? Electrolytes, down his electrolytes. We got to get those in there. I mean, your baby just sucked you dry for nine months. They're like chock full of nutrients. Yeah, they're good. They're not starving. They do not come out starving. And they come out with a stomach the size of like a nut, right? Right. Yeah. Super little. But you know why your baby is fussy if they're separated from you in the hospital? Because they're separated from you in the hospital. That's why they're fussy. Not because they're looking for their next meal train. They are just really like where am i where's my mother like they really they know when they are separated from you they know they yeah, do and not they're in this place with all these like bright lights and all this noise and they're being wheeled around stuff. in this little box oh yeah and they're being poked every 10 minutes with something yeah i mean <laughs> wheeled around in this little box <laughs> who would not be fussy <laughs> right <Yeah. laughs> crazy so one of the things that is definitely interferes with um with breastfeeding in the hospital is that rooming in piece and rooming in all that means is the baby stays with you the whole time that's all that means and that is a really important piece and some hospitals do it automatically it used to be that they would uh, take all the babies away like they would have a nursery set up and a nursery nurse and all these babies would go to the nursery and like at night there'd be all these babies stuck in there like they were on a little train or something, all these babies in the nursery. But they don't do that anymore. They, for the most part, maybe there are some places that do, but a lot of, I think a lot of places are trying to get away from that. And they're encouraging parents to keep the babies with them in the room so that you can watch for feeding cues. You can feed on demand. You can know what your baby's doing. You can hear them. You can, you know, respond to them. 
sometimes you'll get a very well-meaning nurse who says, let me take the baby for a couple hours so you can sleep because when you go home, you're not going to be able to sleep anymore. So let me just do this for you. And then you're not feeding your baby on demand. And then sometimes they'll just automatically give formula too. If the baby seems fussy and you're sleeping and you know they're like, oh, I'll just give the baby a little bit of formula. I've seen that happen too. People are like, well, they, the baby must have needed it. It's like, no, they are going against your wishes. If they didn't yep. ask you about that, they are not following through on your respect as a parent like that is not okay so always keeping the baby with you if you possibly can there are of course reasons why sometimes people cannot and that is you know that is fine if you cannot because you had a c-section you can't get up by yourself your partner's not there with you um, you're on a medication that makes you super drowsy you're afraid you're not going to be able to get you know whatever is going on with you if you can keep the baby with you, keep the baby with you because that that interrupts that process of bonding and connection and feeding on demand and responsive parenting and all of that stuff. I was too scared to let my baby go anywhere. I didn't know any better. I was like, I was too scared. I was paranoid. I was so anxious about like somebody stealing my baby. I don't know yeah, why. I, <laughs> I, just I always was like, no, you can't know. <laughs> The nurse said that to me too. She was like, do you want me to take him for a couple hours so you can sleep? I was like, no, no, he he can stay here. I, so when I had my first son, it was in an army hospital and this was 22 years ago before any of this stuff was going on. And I remember being like, of course I knew nothing because I didn't even plan on having this kid. So I didn't have any kind of knowledge base to go on at all. And I was like, do you take him? And they were like, no, he stays with you unless there's something absolutely wrong with him. They were really, really, because they were really strict. They were an army <laughs> hospital. They were like, you are doing A, B, and C. And I was like, okay. Like, I didn't question it at all. I was like, okay, yeah, he stays yeah. with me. When I had the twins, it was here. And they did take them for something. I remember because my ex-husband, we had a two-year-old. So, and I did have a C-section. So I was by myself in the middle of the night trying to handle this cluster feeding thing because my ex-husband was home with with our two-year-old. So I did need that help of somebody, you know, and they did yeah. take them here and there for like testing stuff or whatever, take them and bring them back. And I was just telling my daughter this story the other day where I remember very clearly they took them and brought them when they brought them back. The nurse was like, oh, she's in charge because, you know, I have, I have boy girl twins. So they were like, she's the one that's in charge because she was like screaming her head off while she was gone. <laughs> <for me. laughs> and my, I remember talking to my daughter about this just very, very recently, like just in the last month or two. And her response, I was so proud. Her response was, why was I not with you? Aww. And I'm like, I don't know. They took you for something. She's like, I don't like that at all. That's not okay. And she like made this face and I'm like, I know, lovey. But it was just like, see, she gets it. She's freaking 19. She understands you're yep. not supposed to be separated from each other. But it's um it is really like if you can keep your baby with you, it's so much better. It really is. Like you can respond to them, you can hear what they're doing, you all their little noises and their little grunts and all that stuff. And you know, you'll know what's normal. You and you feel like they've done research on this. Parents feel more confident going home mm -hmm. if they've had the baby with them the whole time in the hospital. Yeah. So that really makes a big deal. It makes, it makes a big difference. What else? The other thing, one of the other things, <clears throat> this is a big one, is that cluster feeding. 
because that is usually when parents melt down. And it's usually the second night. Babies will cluster feed. They won't want to be put down. You try to put them down and they cry. So you put them back to the breast and they fall asleep and you try to put them down and they cry. And usually that's when a nurse will come in and say, your baby is really hungry because your milk's Mm -hmm. not in yet. Mm -hmm. That is usually when the supplementing starts. Is that second night. And nobody wants their baby to be hungry. So they automatically go, oh, okay. It's a ridiculous amount of number of babies that is um, supplemented in the hospital by day two. It's like, I don't know, 25 or 30%. Like a quarter of the babies are supplemented by day two of life. Like that is crazy. Well, and that is just, that. that is, yeah. And like you said, it's not evidence-based. It's not, it's just, protocol it's mm-hmm. just how it's just you know here we have this the, i mean formula is so much at the forefront of the baby industry yeah you know and hospitals it is it is just like an automatic reflex at this point yeah and it's and it's you know we have created this you know it's so common it's so normal we've just it's just automatic and there is, and I'll say this and then we'll take a quick break, but there is research behind early supplementation and cow's milk protein sensitivities. So, hmm. I mean, and I've kind of come to the point where I even ask people, like, if there is a true, like, cow's milk sensitivity with a baby and mom has to, you know, give up dairy or whatever to, you know, alter her diet to make this work for her baby who's, like, struggling with it, a lot of times I will ask if they're supplemented in the hospital. Because it's, they're connected. Mm-hmm. All right. So should we take a break? Sure. All right. Let's take a break and we'll be right back. Today's episode is brought to you by Original Sprout. Original Sprout carries safe, effective, and pediatrician tested shampoos, conditioners, styling, and body care products produced and packaged in California, USA. The leave-in conditioner's lightweight formula is made with nourishing emollients and arnica for split ends, making it ideal for detangling and eliminating frizz from damaged hair. The Miracle Detangler is perfect for making combing hair easier for baby, toddlers, children, and anyone with long hair. The Rosemary can help prevent lice. All of Original Sprouts products are paraben and phthalate-free, vegan, and cruelty-free. Their proprietary formulas contain nourishing extracts from fruits, vegetables, and flowers that the whole family can enjoy. They are not just for babies anymore. Check out the entire line at OriginalSprout.com and use code BADASS for 25% off your order. That's OriginalSprout.com. Use code BADASS for 25% off. And today's episode is also brought to you by Imani and BreastPumps.com. Helping parents everywhere with the right tools, Imani recently released the Imani i1 dual breast pump featuring the quietest motor on the market. Experience optimal pumping with hospital strength output as well as a never-before-seen boost mode. Whether pumping from one breast or both, this smart system maintains a constant pumping pressure. Its two main cycles, massage and express, include multiple vacuums on each cycle. Portable, efficient, and hands-free. Find out why Imani USA products are trusted by over 46 million mothers around the world throughout their breastfeeding journey. For more information, visit ImaniUSA.com. That's I-M-A-N-I-U-S-A.com and use code BADASS for 25% off of your order 
or you can visit breastpumps.com forward slash Imani and you can place an order with your insurance benefits. So that is awesome. I always Very say awesome. that. I just really like that. Yeah. Um, the sponsors and the promo codes can be found in our show notes under this episode at badassbreastfeedingpodcast.com. And our show notes will also include information about things we talk about in this episode. And at badassbreastfeedingpodcast.com, you can find all of our breastfeeding resources, all of our other episodes, which are like pushing 300 at this point. And information about scheduling your very own one-on-one online lactation consultation with Diane, who can help you with all the issues that came out of the hospital. Oh, goodness. All right. So the, the cluster feeding, the thing with that is I really just want people to know, and this is something that I do talk about prenatally, and I like if you know it going in that this could happen and that it's not about food, it's more about babies being connected to you. And you realize that this is a normal process. And the more you respond to your baby, the faster your milk comes in, the better your milk supply will be. And your baby will just like be more settled. But we always just panic and go, oh my God, the baby's starving. And then when a nurse tells you that too, then you really kind of go, oh my God, my baby must be starving. I can't tell you how many times a parent says, calls me and says, well, my milk wasn't in yet. It's never in on day two. Unless you are like a parent that is already like that is maybe tandem feeding. Like that's the only time your milk comes in that fast. Um, It is just not like if you're a first time parent, your milk's not going to be in on day two. So and that's how it's set up to be. Like this is how it's been designed. It's not a mistake. So your your baby is just fine. But that goes along with um, weight loss. So. Oh, yeah. The weight loss, like knowing that your baby is going to lose a little bit of weight in the hospital is really important because then you won't freak out that your baby's lost a little weight in the hospital. But And you could tell them not to freak out. Right, exactly. There seems to be a little bit of a debate from what I hear now about how much weight loss is okay. So for as long as I can remember, it was always like right around that 10% mark. You know, yeah. they expect your baby to lose about 10% of their birth weight in the first couple weeks of their life, like, or in the first like week, especially. And then they, they're going to go back to regain it. And by two weeks, they usually are regained to birth weight. And that's kind of what's expected. And we, you know, it's nothing to get worried about. We just expect them to lose this weight. It's normal. I have recently heard that one of the hospitals that is in my area, once the baby hits 5%, that's when they start supplementing. Oh my and it's God. like, I don't think there's a baby that is ever under 5%. Yeah. Especially if you're, I mean, maybe if you leave it 24 hours, you'll be under 5%. But not like you're two days or three days in the hospital. Your baby's definitely going to be at 5% weight loss unless you're supplementing that. I, so I feel like we're going backwards. It, it does, doesn't it? But this is normal. Yeah. So if somebody comes into you, And this is another thing. A lot of times parents don't even know. So if they come to you and say, oh, your baby lost weight, we want to supplement, you can absolutely say, how much weight did the baby lose? What does my baby weigh? What percentage are they down? And if they say, oh, they're down 3%, but we're really worried. You can be like, give me, you know, give me a, give it a little more time. That's not the threshold that we need to be at. The other things you have to worry about is like, did you get a lot of fluid during labor? Because all that fluid does 
boost up their birth weight and then they lose that pretty quickly. So if you have a baby that lost like, you know, a good amount in the first 24 hours, but they were peeing a lot, that's not like something to be terribly concerned about. They're not peeing themselves into a raisin. They're going to be fine. It is just, you know, they are just getting rid of that fluid. So that is really normal. If your baby's pooping and peeing and they're latching fine, then there's no reason to be worried about their weight loss. I mean, it's just, but, you know, we get so worried. And then when it seems like the hospitals work, then it just like, oh my God. You can also request that they talk to your pediatrician too. That's another thing you can do. Mm. You can be like, can you call my pediatrician? Um, Because that's why you have them. Is for those, you know, for stuff like this. That's why you have a pediatrician. So that is a big part of it is that um, initial weight loss is a huge reason why we see babies being supplemented. And then you kind of just go on doing that, right? Because the supplementation takes away from the baby being at the breast, which causes a problem with milk supply. Like it's a whole cycle. And it's just just frustrating. It sets you up for failure. Yeah. When it doesn't need to. And I, I, yeah, and I still say have a doula Mm -hmm. because a lot of times doulas know the doctors in the hospitals. They have relationships with them. They know what the hospital is going to do and they know how to advocate for you. Yeah. And also having a lactation consultant outside of the hospital, maybe, Mm -hmm. or if you know that the hospital, the one at the hospital is a good one, fine. But if you just want one independently, Say, I want to call my lactation consultant. Right. Make a relationship with somebody before the baby's mm-hmm. born. And, and you that can just way, call them. Yeah. I mean, people do that with me all the time. They'll like send me an email or whatever. Be like, my baby was just, or text me, my baby was just born. This is what's going on. What do you think? You know, like it's just, it is a really, really normal process. Like this is not uncommon stuff. This happens all the time. And when you really just don't know, like you just don't know, Right. Yeah. And it's nerve wracking yep. and it's anxiety provoking. It's scary. Okay. The other thing is blood sugar levels. So mm. this is also something that can vary from hospital to hospital. That's the other thing that kind of is your red flag that shit's messed up because it's not consistent <laughs> from where you, ta- you know, like depending on who you talk to, it is not consistent. So the blood sugar thing, that's another thing that's not consistent. Like some hospitals are like, we want your level to be at this. You know, we want your baby to be at 50. We want your baby to be at 35. We want your baby to be at 40. Um, If they're born too big, we're going to check their blood sugars. If they were late, we're going to check their blood sugars. If they are too small, we're going to check their blood sugars. If you had gestational diabetes, we're going to check their blood sugars. Like what is the rule? You know, like it just, there's so many variations to these rules. And then sometimes and I had this happen recently, they will want to check your baby's blood sugar before every single feeding, which means they are pricking your baby's heel. I don't even know how many times, eight, 10, 12, something like that, because they want consistent numbers all the way around. So then they'll be like, well, you have to call us before you feed. You can't feed before we prick your baby's heel. (sighs) And I had one mom that was like, I didn't even bother to call him. I just fed the baby. (laughs) It's like, good. Because then you got to wait for them to come in, for them to come and like test your baby's blood. So like, I can't even. So one of the things that you can do is you can question what, what do you want my baby's blood sugar to be? What is expected 
of them. Um, how many times do you need to do this? What is your protocol? And really question them about it because it, it is just, it can get ridiculous. The other thing you can do, especially if you are somebody who has gestational diabetes, um, you can do what we call antenatal hand expression, where you do express a little bit of colostrum before the baby's born and bring it to the hospital with you. And you can have that there to give to the baby so that they don't need to mess around with that stuff. Some people don't approve of antenatal hand expression because they're worried it's going to put you into preterm labor. If you are having a healthy pregnancy, there's no issues. You're still having sex. Like, it's fine for you to hand express a little bit of colostrum and bring it to the hospital with you. It really is okay. Or while you're in labor, you could be doing that. Um, if you have a doula, they can help you with that. So this kind of stuff, and then you've got colostrum right there to give your baby if they're sleepy, if they're worried about blood sugar, you know, any of that stuff, you can, you'll have it to just give to your baby while, you know, they're complaining about the blood sugar and let's supplement your baby. This brought up, and I, I know I've mentioned this on the podcast before, but I think it's been a while. So my niece had a baby like, it's been like two and a half years now. And um, it was like, right, you know, like right before the pandemic, she had her baby. And she calls me one day from the hospital, like she's in the hospital and she called me and she goes, the nurse came in, she said that she wanted to supplement the baby. And I go, why? And she goes, because of her blood sugar. And I go, what was it? She goes, they didn't test it. And I go, what? And she goes, yeah, they didn't test. They just said that they were concerned about it. So she thought I should supplement. She goes, can I ask them to test her blood sugar? And I go, yes, you can. So she did. She was like, all right, can you test her blood sugar then before I supplement her? And they never brought it up again. So it's like that was that nurse's fear of, oh, you're only breastfeeding. I don't think your baby's blood sugar is going to be okay. I think we need to supplement. <laughs> like that was that nurse's fear that the process doesn't work. It wasn't right. a legitimate evidence-based process. That was a nurse saying, I don't think breastfeeding really works. I think we need to supplement your baby. So thankfully, <sighs> my niece knew that she has a lactation consultant as an aunt and can yeah. just call me and be like, what? And then I was like, don't they know who your aunt is? Like I was all mad. <laughs> but I was like, what? No, you know, but if you don't have somebody that you can do that with, if you're just like, okay, I don't want my baby's blood sugar to be too low. Yeah, absolutely. If you think that's the best thing for them. They can say anything to you. I yeah. mean, they could say anything to you. I mean, it is just... You would believe it because who knows? How are you supposed to know? Right. I mean, it that's just is crazy. They told me that Jack Jack hadn't peed in a long in you know in whatever whatever they wanted yeah and so they took him for uh, to test his liver or his kidney or something they went to test he went to a whole test (laughs) (laughs) which was probably like twenty thousand dollars or something right my doctor came in actually my doctor who who was my doctor delivered the baby Came in later that day and she was like, what's going on? And I was like, well, he didn't pee. And she was like, oh, my God, I can make that baby pee. Mm-hmm. And I was like, OK, I'm glad to know that you're all even on the same page. I know, right? Like, you know, you it is 
ridiculous. Sorry. It is. It is. And I had a nurse. I had a nurse who came in and put an IV in because I don't even know why they just stick IVs in you. And then <laughs> another nurse came in and she was like, oh, my God, who put this IV in you? This is totally wrong. And she like took it out and like did it again. I was like, oh, my God. Jeez. Get me out of here. I see that pee thing a lot. Like people say, you know, like after after they've discharged, they'll mm-hmm. tell me, oh, yeah, we had something. They were really worried because the baby hadn't peed. And I'll be like, did they, was he circumcised? Yeah. Mm. Did he pee before the circumcision? Yeah. Okay. Let's think about that for a minute. <laughs> like, yeah. I see that happen all the time where babies don't pee after their circumcision. For several hours. That is not uncommon. Again, we have to look at the whole thing. We have to look at the whole picture. Just go, oh my God, the baby's just not peeing. There's something wrong with him. Yeah, he was just circumcised. That's what's wrong. Like that's that's what's making him not want to pee. I did when I was and I had an episiotomy and everything. She came in, she was like, Have you peed? I was like, No. And she's like, You need to pee. You really have to pee. Um, if you don't pee, we're gonna have to put a catheter in. Oh my God. I took a bedpan. I got up on that bed and was like <laughs> on my knees and I was just like, oh my fucking God, pee. <laughs> right? <laughs> and I like forced myself to pee. Like, I mean, your baby can't do that. Your baby's just right. like, oh, I don't want to pee right now. I'm not ready. I mean, it's just, it's crazy. It's so crazy. And they threaten you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're going to have to do this. We're going to have to do that. Well, if you don't do this, we're going to have to do that. Ugh. Yep. Medicated deliveries is another thing. And I know that we've talked about like the medicated deliveries and, you know, intervention and stuff like that. So my, the first thing I want to make sure that I say about this is that I'm not telling you not to have a medicated delivery. I had a medicated delivery. Abby had a medicated delivery. Like we're not telling you not to have a medicated delivery if that is what you truly want. What I'm telling you is just know that sometimes those medications can impact a way the baby feeds. They're sleepier. They're, you know, they're not alert. Sometimes they're not as coordinated right away. That can impact how they feed in the beginning. And sometimes you'll hear somebody say, well, baby just didn't want a nurse. The baby didn't want to breastfeed. That's not what's going on here. Your baby's not ready yet. That's why they have medication in their system that is making them groggy, that's making them uncoordinated, that's making them not put it all together where they can actually nurse well. It has nothing to do with the fact that they don't want to because Mm -hmm. they're not making those decisions right now. So they're just tired. They're just out of it. Yeah. They're just out of it. So a lot of times that will lead to supplementation. And that is one of those supplementations that's like, okay, that might be absolutely necessary if your baby is legitimately not latching. You've got to feed them somehow. But it's not because of like, oh my gosh, your baby doesn't want to breastfeed. It is goes back yeah. to that, what happened during labor. And as long as you know that, like if you know, oh yeah, this is what happened during labor. My baby's probably a little bit sleepier. It was really a process. We need to just give them a little more time. Do lots of skin to skin. Keep offering. Keep trying. Don't just go, oh, they just don't want to. Your baby will nurse. They will. It might just not be on the time frame that the hospital needs it to be on. So just kind of like keep that in mind. It's nothing you did wrong. And it's not that your baby's rejecting you because that's mm-hmm. how it feels. But mm-hmm. that's not what's happening. They will absolutely still nurse. We just need to give them time to get there. That's all. They're just not there yet. 
Yeah. And then know that if you are supplementing, contact someone about how you can stop supplementing after mm-hmm. the appropriate amount of time. Because you just, you're going to leave the hospital with a giant bag of free formula samples. You're going to feel like you hit the jackpot. And oh my God, this hospital is so nice. And you're going to get home and you're going <laughs> to, I know this because this is me. You're going to get home and you're going to be like, well, how long am I supposed to do this for? Right. And you won't have any idea how to undo it. So right. people can help with that. Or how much they're supplementing with. If they tell you, yeah. give your baby, you know, two ounces and they're, you know, a day and a half old, absolutely question that because that is way too much. And if you, I, I cannot tell you how many times I've said to a parent, oh my God, that's a lot. And they'd be like, yeah, that's what I thought. I thought that was a lot. You know, you know, you have an instinct about this stuff, you know, but we just think we don't know because it's our first baby and they know better because they're the medical professionals. That is too much. Yeah. Babies will not nurse well if they're full of formula. It's just not going to, they're just, they just won't. So supplementing them with more than they need is also not a good idea. So you can always ask if somebody says, oh, you think you should supplement your baby. And the answer to that is if you say, how much should I supplement them with? And the answer is until your baby decides it's enough, that is not a good answer either. Your baby doesn't make those decisions when they're that old. They just, they don't know. So always kind of getting an idea. And it's, if your baby is less than five days old, it's probably, it should only be about 10 or 15 mLs. Mm -hmm. If your baby is, you know, newborn, you shouldn't really be supplementing with more than that. So it's, yeah, that's definitely a thing too. Cool. Yeah. So those are a few things that kind of come up um, to watch for when you're in the hospital. And um, a lot of times, even just like asking the questions or keeping your baby with you will decrease that supplementation. So don't hesitate to ask questions if you, you know, if you feel like it's things aren't going the way you want it to. That's it. Cool. Thanks, Diane. Yeah. And Have a good we one. will um, see y'all next week. See you next week. Bye. Bye.